let's go ahead then and pull up my specific Dutch test um, and just talk through some of the biggest takeaways. This is kind of overwhelming to look at for those that are looking at video on YouTube or Spotify. Um, you can follow along and if you know, you're just listening, we'll explain it as if you're looking at it as well. So Candice, um, I'm gonna let you take it away then. Welcome to Woman Problems, period. A podcast hosted by Christy and Candice from My Functional Pharmacist. Our hope and goal of this time together is to broadcast an unscripted hangout dedicated to helping women press play on their wellness journey. So let's get started and talk about our woman problems, period. Okay, so here is Christy's Dutch test. And at the top, so it kind of tells you, this is an example of what we're looking at. And these are the main three levels for her. So estradiol is a little bit on the high end in the red. Progesterone, look how low, you guys, these are total opposites. This is like estradiol and progesterone, estrogen dominance, right? This is, this mm -hmm. is the picture. Um, and then testosterone is also on the higher end. So, which is common. A lot of times we'll see um, if estrogen is high, testosterone is high because it's a similar flow in the steroidogenic pathway, right? We can talk about that soon. And then progesterone's on this whole other, has its own other side. Um, so we'll look at that as we, as we come down a little bit. Um, the cortisol is also, okay, so the D, here's the DHEA, all right, which is also showing high. Um, and then the cortisol is also showing um, not crazy high, but kind of, you know, showing that the free cortisol looks like is in a, a better range than the morning cortisol that she was showing. And so, um, I think we talked about this showing, oh, she's, she doesn't have as good of reserve. And we, we have talked about this before. We think that with Christy's specific pathway that she is, has, has had really high cortisol in the past. Right. And then we think we've, we think she crashed. <laughs> we think, mm -hmm. we think she had adrenal fatigue crash in, or just after pharmacy school, possibly right when we were launching this uh, MFP <laughs> um, residency, residency rotations launching yes. a business yeah it was a lot yes yeah. all of those things um also Christy is the the person that has and can because of her genetic capabilities and because of a lot of these higher <laughs> hormone tendencies allow someone to push through all, all, you know, everything and be in survival for, for however long and go and go and go and go, which has been her pattern since probably what age 12. 13, oh, would you maybe say? eight, eight, maybe okay. eight. Yeah. Since it, since it I mean, like I've just always had this crazy drive to accomplish and achieve and it was frustrating when my body could no longer keep up with mentally what I knew I was capable of. 
doing, but that obviously is not a healthy way to operate um, at extremes. So yeah, it's been a couple of years of just, you know, I've always been aware of it and tried to do things, but really the last couple of years, really trying to prioritize various interventions to try to, yeah, yeah. heal this cortisol issue. Um, so cortisol definitely coming into play. And with a high DHEA, um, usually that show that is per, that is high because the body is trying to overcompensate for something, right? Um, our adrenals both push these out, right? And so if this one is struggling or has been struggling, we think her, her cortisol is starting to heal and maybe starting to come back up from the crash, right? So mm -hmm. if it has been low in the past, you can see how the DHEA would be really high because of overcompensating some things, um, which leads to a higher testosterone and higher estrogen. Those are all in the same pathway. Okay. Um, okay, let's go on down. This page can get a little jumbled to talk about because it's just um, numbers, but it shows a lot of this in these graphs down here. So I'm gonna skip these. Um, and talk about them on the pictures, unless you wanted to point anything out here, Christy, did you? No, I mean, I do like that it just gives you, you know, above or below mm -hmm. or within range, um, just another visual. Uh, yes. But for me, um, I am definitely more of a graphs person or yeah. visual in that way. Um, but yeah, different learning styles. So this yeah. graph is amazing. Um, yeah. you know, is if you're not watching, you know, definitely try to go on YouTube and, and look at this, um, or, you know, just Google Dutch results and they've got some examples that show you the, the pathway. Yeah. It's going to be on page three is where this really cool graph is that we're going to hang for a while, um, of a Dutch results and you can pull up an example if you want to, but so this shows how, when I teach this pregnant alone is at the top, right? Um, pregnenolone is made from cholesterol, okay? Um, we talk about that when we go into some of our detox protocols and some things like that, but the cholesterol um, turning into pregnenolone through our mitochondria, okay? So we'll come back around probably at some point and talk about mitochondria support and how important that is. It's important for every, every cell, everything. Here we're showing you how it's important for hormones. Um, so going into pregnenolone, you can see where almost this pathway that goes towards DHEA and testosterone, it's like taking all the pregnenolone, right? So the DHEA is showing high, the testosterone is showing high. Um, the good thing is as the testosterone is metabolizing out, it's also high. And so I think this is one of the great things all the way through really, Christy, in your labs is that whatever is high is also detoxing high. Like it's coming out in good. Well, that's good. Levels. So I think, I think this is showing some really good things on your detox pathway. Yeah. Your, your work that yeah. you is paying off. Um, yeah. I will say just, yeah you know, I have been doing our detox protocol. And so it works really well for so many of our patients. So it's been a little frustrating for me, you know, just to be transparent with y'all. I'm a complicated case 
apparently. Um, so it is nice to see some encouragement in this regard that, okay, I may have a lot of it, but a lot of it is coming out. So that's yeah. a cool way yeah, to highlight our detox protocol there. So yeah, yeah. your body is doing with it what it needs to, um, which is fantastic. So the testosterone turns in, you know, as women, about 80 or 90% of our testosterone turns on into estradiol, where you can see this little arrow here and aromatase is the enzyme that does that and turns it into the estradiol, which is also high. Um, the estrone DHEA kind of has this more pathway towards the estrone, which is also high. Um, estriol, not as much. This I never really find high unless, unless you're pregnant. Um, and so this is kind of like a pregnancy hormone, the estriol. Um, so that's kind of normal. That's what I would expect to see. These two are right in line with the testosterone and DHEA though, which is expected. And then if we go down even further, um, so the estriol, estrogen detox pathway, this is called the CYP3A4, um, is low. And you can see kind of how that coincides with the estriol. Um, that's okay. We could, we would like to see this maybe a little bit higher, um, but it's okay. What's really nice is that you see this estrone coming out here is, is good. Um, coming out here, these are all high. So this green line where it's the CYP1A1 pathway, that's your methylation pathway. So we're showing that you're methylating well, right? You are, um, all the things that you need nutritionally, it seems like you're doing really well on supporting your body in these detox pathways this way, because look, this, this one is high and this one's high all along the same line here. Um, so you're methylating very well, which is also gonna be helpful for this red pathway, which is not the healthy one. This is really not the one we want to see, but the two good things is we have good, um, we know that you're methylating well, so it's going to help save some of this because this is this pathway, the CYP1B1, um, turns into this quinone structure here, which is very inflammatory. And if it gets to our DNA, it can't, that's when it can start to alter DNA in a bad way. Okay, so this is the bad pathway that we think of. This is kind of the scary part, right? If we are scared of anything with hormones and estrogens in general, it's having too much and causing cancer, right? Usually, or blood clots or, mm -hmm. um, you know, some things in that area. So um, the nice thing is that the methylation is happening. We're confident of that. And this little, this is one of my favorite things on this whole page, this glutathione detox that we talk about glutathione a lot in our detox protocol, right? Um, this is one of the main reasons that I use it. Not, I mean, not the mainly because it's our liver's main detoxifier, right? And we talk about the river, but also it has this really cool side gig over here where <laughs> it just, it just neutralizes this bad guy before it can go and affect our DNA. Um, so wow. it, if you are genetically prone to this pathway, the CYP1B1 pathway in our estrogen detoxification, we just need to make sure we're putting in the good stuff, right? We just need 
to have some eyes on this and some eyes on this, and it's not going to be so bad, right? That's epigenetics, um, what mm -hmm. so many people are talking about right now. So um, anyway, this is, this is one of my favorite things on this page is where it shows our glutathione detox. And we're going to talk more about this in a little bit as well. Um, but if you can see, okay, so this pie graph is kind of cool because it tells you, this is really small. I don't know if you can see this, but, um, it tells you what percentages should some ranges of what we should see. So the green should be 60 to 80%. Christy, yours is 80, near 85. You're like methylating really well. Oh, okay. and so yeah. That's okay. It's not a bad thing. I'd rather be too high than too low in that one. Okay. Mm -hmm. The red one, um, which is the, the more dangerous one we've talked about, should be between 7.5 and 11. Yours is at 10.3. Um, so you're in range, but obviously... I'm not too concerned about that because we already know you methylate well and we know you have good glutathione. Okay, mm -hmm. that's sufficient. So you're protected. Um, and then the blue pathway, which is the CYP3A4, the range is 13 to 30% and you're at 4.9. So we'd like to see a little, maybe we add some CYP3A4 inducers or something like mm -hmm. that, which we could get into. Um, the only really natural one that I know of is St. John's wort, uh, which may be a good yeah. fit. I don't know. Um, I know there's I'd a lot have to of do some, Yeah, I'd have to do some digging. Yeah, all I can think of are, yeah, all of the pharmaceutical agents that we learned in school, yeah. um, which I'm not on, so that's good. <laughs> but mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'll have to do some digging. This is so neat how this pairs with, yeah, genetics and detox. And that is why we started the podcast, just talking about detox for three episodes, because it really does lay the framework, as you can see, for um, hormones and how they're excreted. So um, yeah, this is a lot to take in, but really insightful. So that's great. So I guess what are next steps then? Or do you want to keep going through the, the, the form, form, the report? Well, well let me just talk a little bit about progesterone and then we'll go oh, yeah mm -hmm. steps because this yeah don't want to miss side, that I know the other side is showing that it's really not going to any progesterone and <laughs> your progesterone when it detoxes out down here is also low so um it's at least all consistent again your detox pathways look great it's the production part right um mm -hmm. and I wish there were like a little switch or a supplement and wouldn't that be great or something that um could move pre pregnant alone over this way towards progesterone instead of towards dhea but um there's not that we know of yet and um i think this you know the reasons for this are going to be genetic they're going to be um stress they're going to you know the the cortisol the hpa mm -hmm. axis all of that is going to be contributing. So my thoughts are, as you are continuing to support your HPA axis, which is supporting your cortisol, the balance of it, keeping it, you know, coming up in the morning and going down at night, like we say, um, as you continue to do some of these things, as you continue to reduce stress, <laughs> I think this will start to level out. Um, but in the meantime, 
here are some things we can do. I don't, the rest of this, um, uh, let's see, here's another one that just kind of talks all about your cortisol again. And the graphs are pretty cool um, when you get down into them because it shows, okay, this shows how your cortisol uh, all right, so here's our adrenal gland. We talked about how it produces the DHEA and the cortisol. And it does that through getting messages basically from our brain up here, right? So if stress is going on in our brain, it sends a message to the pituitary, which sends a message to our adrenal gland and says, hey, you need to produce more. You need to produce more. Um, you need to overcompensate because this one's not producing. So give me some DHEA. Um, Give me some adrenaline. Give me, you know, it tells us all those things when we get stressed. So for someone who's been living in what we want to call it fight or flight or sympathetic nervous system, not to mention, I think I have always thought, and I hope it's, I hope you're okay with me saying this, the EBV. Um, oh yeah. I yeah. think it plays a big role in mm -hmm. how your body can repair and how it can respond. Well, for those who don't know, can you define HPA and EBV for just, yes, I'm you sorry. know, just to catch everybody up? No, 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 it's okay. Well, HPA axis is the hypo, oh gosh, I mean, I may be getting this wrong. Hypothalamus pituitary. Hypothalamus yeah, yeah. pituitary axis. Yes. So it's what we're looking at on the screen in mm -hmm. the brain. Um, hypothalamus pituitary axis. And when we say HPA axis support, or HPA support, we're talking about mainly stress support and reducing stress mm -hmm. and um, all the all the ways that we can go into doing that. You know, um, we can talk yeah. about the deep breathing and some of the things that we're gonna bring up, but, um, and then EBV is, stands for Epstein-Barr virus, um, which is basically mono, um, mm -hmm. right? So, and yeah. what, what age did you um, first have mono? Do you remember? I'd have to look back. I think it was an undergrad. Um, yeah, Would it have been in 2012? Yeah, uh, <laughs> around, yeah, 2012. So about 10 years ago when I was, yeah, starting to really get into functional medicine some more, not a lot of people were, you know, doing this. And so shout out to Lori Roman. She's one of the first pharmacists who is really digging into this. Um, and yeah, so she started testing me and I was, you know, running a million miles an hour back then too. I mean, even more so fight or flight than pharmacy school and residency. I thought I could do anything. So it's a direct quote from myself in undergrad to my mom. <laughs> I can do anything if I drink enough venti coffees and don't sleep. What? Mm. Oh my gosh. And I was you know, eating so clean, exercising like crazy, taking great supplements, but I was never addressing the stress part. I didn't think stress impacted your health. I really didn't. I thought I'm a 20 year old or however old then. Yeah. I thought I could do anything. It was invincible. So, so good. paying for it now. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years later. Yes. So, and the reason I guessed 2012 is because I was looking back at your lab graphs. 
Um, mm-hmm. I did some lab graphs earlier, you guys, and I mean, it's really cool. She's like had so many labs done over the past decade or more mm-hmm. and she kind of put them all in this little excel sheet for me to see like how they've all changed and and we didn't really talk about it before we got on here but I wanted I wanted to say like wow what happened in 2012 <laughs> because there's yeah. a little there's a little like almost like a thyroid shift or a uh, there was a shift in a lot of the levels that were showing like something's going on there and then everything kind of settled down. And then um, you can kind of see like almost where your stress peaks are with your labs. Um, yeah, I, I was, that was when I was an undergrad at UF and I was, you know, music director of a competitive acapella group. I was super involved in a big sorority on campus. I was doing Greek life ministry, other ministry. I, I don't know, trying to keep up with friends and you know, in pre-med courses, <laughs> I don't know. It was just a couple of things on my plate. Um, but yeah, I was always, I lived in the sorority house, but they would always say that I was like a flash because I was just like come in and out of the house to change really quickly or like eat really quickly and run back out because I had another, I don't know, a rehearsal or study group or something to go to. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's what happened. It, it, it's really neat to retrospectively go back and kind of pair up that timeline, which, you know, for those that don't know, a timeline is really the essence of functional medicine and just mapping your life out to Mm -hmm. see what triggers and, you know, what labs you had done and, you know, just different factors of your life and how that may have impacted. Um, Because unfortunately, you know, our modern day medicine conventional world does not have the time to dig into that. So um, anyway, it's just a little plug for why we do what we do, but, but yeah, I thought a graph was going to be the easiest way to map that out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, okay. And just to finish this out, I guess, really with the labs going down to this last page that um, just kind of gives some of the biomarkers in your, I think, organic acid testing here. Um, which is always done best through urine. So they're kind of like, why not? Let's look at some of these things. Um, It shows that you could use a little B12, a little B6. Glutathione marker looks great. Wonderful, right? Thank goodness. (laughs) Um, Let's see, anything else here? Got got biomarker looks pretty good also, um, which is nice because I know you've been working on that. I know you've had mm-hmm. um, a lot of food sensitivities in the past and part of healing that gut hopefully is allowing some of that to be less for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest of this, you know, nothing else is super alarming here. Your melatonin actually looks good, which is great also. Um, so yeah pretty much it for the labs. So I'll stop sharing. We can kind of get back to, um, I think, okay. Um, so yeah, did you have any questions? I did kind of blare through that a little bit fast. What did I miss? What questions do you have for me? I guess, um, 
you know, what should I add to the regimen? Like what recommendations do you think, you know, we talked about glutathione, I'm already doing that. And that is reflected. I'm already doing a lot of our mm -hmm. detox protocol with psyllium husk and magnesium and, you know, just essentials of like probiotic and, um, you yeah. know, whatnot, but I have, um, you know, done a lot of that work, but now focusing specifically on hormone support. Um, I didn't know if there's anything else. Yeah. Um, so I think along the lines of the estrogen detox, right. Um, we talked about the SIP pathways and just to make sure those are continuing to stay healthy. Um, you know, when it comes to high hormones, we can, we can work on the input, right. And we can work on the output. Mm -hmm. Working on the input for you is going to be the the reduced stress, right. The mental stress. So we'll talk about that in a little bit, working on the output of how the hormones are coming out is really mainly the end part of the estrogens. Um, and so that's, that's going to be, um, some, you know, there's three main estrogen detoxifiers. I think we've talked about them before. There's calcium deflucarate, which works in the gut and is pretty powerful. I have some of my patients take that and um, maybe only take it like twice a week because it's so powerful. It can bring estrogen down too fast for some. And then there's something called I3C or indole-3-carbinol. And then there's something called diendolmethane or DIM, probably the most famous one, um, DIM, because it's just easy to say. Uh, but those three compounds, those, those other two, are, are they work in the liver. So the calcium deglucurate works in the gut. The other two work in the liver. Um, there are some products with all three of them, and that's going to be really, really potent and really, really powerful. So maybe implementing something like that on a weekly basis, maybe once or twice a week just to keep mm -hmm. those pathways open, keeping them flowing even better than they are already. We already know that you methylate well. So just adding those in. Um, well, obviously first we wanna say eat cruciferous vegetables. That's where they're all from. Mm -hmm. They're all high in cruciferous vegetables. Um, so as much of those as you can get, but of course, when we isolate those compounds and make them a little bit stronger in a capsule, right? It seems to kind of do more, more of a pronounced work. Mm -hmm. So I mean, sense. yeah, I'm really killing it with the broccoli and the cauliflower. Um, <laughs> so I might need a little extra support. Um, for those that don't know, those are cruciferous vegetables. Um, I mean, there's more, but those are the, the main two, I think Brussels sprouts. Um, yes. yeah, Cabbages. but, um, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. yeah. So no, that's really great. I think, you know, we've talked about this before. I've tried the CDG and DIM before and I took it daily and yeah, it increased my cycle length from 28 days perfectly to like 41 yeah. or 42 days. And I didn't know when it was going to come. And anyway, so those, yeah, really are very potent. And personally, I wanted to wait until I got these results back before I added them back in um, just to see kind of where we're at. Um, and I'd love to retest eventually, maybe, what do you think, like six months or a year or is yeah, that too long? Yeah, I think six to nine months is, is great. I, I think obviously that's going to depend on um, each person. All right. Well, thank you for hanging out with us today. As always, if you're interested in following along for more content, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, give us a review 
and check out our social media for updates along the way. Until then, we hope you found this motivating as you seek to optimize your own health and take care of your woman problems, period.